From Jabba's Palace to the Casino on Canto Bight and now to Oga's Cantina on the planet Batu, this is a brand new episode of Octo Radio. I am your host, as always, Alden Diaz, here to take a dive into that galaxy far, far away with all the things we love in the realm of Star Wars, be it news, reviews, discussions, character analysis, and this, my friends, this this is going to be a big one. This is going to be one where I kind of work out my feelings for all of you to listen to right here in podcast form. I don't really exactly know how I'm going to approach it. I have an idea of what aspects of this character I want to tackle, but it's going to be complex because he is a complex character. It's going to be in depth because there is so much to dive into, especially now that a new comic book has sent shockwaves throughout the Star Wars fandom with beautiful discussion and incredible reads on the different themes of the light side, the dark side, and especially redemption. Of course, you know, based on the title, that I am talking about Ben Solo, also known as Kylo Ren. We're going to be getting into that in just a couple minutes here after I dive into a couple different things in the news. Uh, There isn't much going on in the way of news, some of it official, uh, some of it not so much, you know, in an official capacity. It's more so leaks, but not not leaks you need to worry about. Just a couple action figures I got out there early. I'll touch on those first. Uh, if you're a fan of the Star Wars Black Series figures like I am, you will probably be pleased to know that uh, they aren't going anywhere and that we will be getting some more very soon. In October, first week of October is a Triple Force Friday, which will represent Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and The Mandalorian. Three things which we're all super excited for. They will all be getting toys and apparel and other forms of merchandise because if you can use it or wear it or see it with your own two eyes, they will probably put Star Wars on it at some point. And that's kind of why we all love it so much, right? That it can infect uh, and improve, not, not infect, improve all the different areas of our lives. Well, Star Wars will be improving my shelves very soon when they introduce the new black series figures for the rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian and fallen order all together in one epic wave. We'll be getting figures of the Mandalorian. We'll be getting figures of what looks like an off world Jawa, a new kind of Jawa with darker clothes and red eyes. Red eyes seems to be a big thing right now. Red eyes is a big thing in star Wars, the color red in general, dark Ray and three PO the Sith trooper. So That's interesting. A little interesting uh, possible thematic connection. Maybe we're trying to make Jawas a little bit more important than they once were, more than just background characters. We'll have to see what happens when we finally get that awesome show on Disney+. Plus. On the Fallen Order side of things, you've got the Second Sister, one of the Inquisitors, with the uh, spinning lightsaber blade. I I doubt it, uh, and I'm not sure if the Black Series has ever done anything like this, but it'd be really cool uh, if you were able to spin her lightsaber blades around uh, on the accessory that she comes with. That's, uh, you know, that signature saber that they introduced in Star Wars Rebels uh, that can even work uh, like a helicopter, which I'm still not really clear on in terms of physics, but eh, it's Star Wars. I gotta just chalk it up to the Force. Uh, but on the Rise of Skywalker side of things, you've got a brand new Kylo Ren figure, which I'm really excited about, uh, with his reforged helmet, so that's really cool. But then you've also got the brand new Ray, which has one of the best uh, facial scans use of facial scan technology that they've had in the Black Series so far. I mean, they made a big deal about it a couple waves ago when they introduced, you know, the, the Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Han Solo, and the Donald Glover Lando, and Amelia Clark in there. 
you know, that wave really took a huge leap forward for making these look screen accurate. I'm really excited about that because I love the new Ray costume. So all of those figures look great. They've been popping up in stores around the country. I mean, I haven't seen any of them. I would love to just go to a Walmart, you know, go to buy a frozen pizza. And while I'm on my way there, stopping the toys and there he is. There's the Mandalorian. There's Pedro Pascal. You know, you're going to try to take the figure and, and take the helmet off and it won't budge. I guarantee. But it, how cool would that be, though, if that figure, if you were able to take the helmet off and that's the first way that you saw Pedro Pascal's face, that would be really cool. So I don't know. I don't know uh, what the procedure is going to be for getting these figures. I'm sure it's going to be chaos as it always is when, you know, collectors and flippers are there waiting before the store even opens or employees, you know, take them to the back room so they can flip and sell them later. Uh, I hope there's not a lot of that because I would definitely like to get my hands on most of these, if not all of them. I, I might leave Dark Jawa off the shopping list, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, he could be end up being a sleeper character. Like, imagine if in The Mandalorian, now I'm going off on a tangent about Dark Jawa, but hey, that, that's, why we, that's why we talk about this stuff, right? That's why we talk about this stuff. So we can speculate about things that'll probably never happen. Imagine the Mandalorian and IG-11, played by Taika Waititi, if they recruit this dark off-world Jawa into their crew, what if Jawas that leave Tatooine end up on, in, you know, in really hard, strenuous, and dangerous, you know, lives of crime? What if they use their knowledge of scrapping and technology to build weapons or something? That would be really cool. If the if if it's this off-world Jawa or a whole team of off-world Jawas that are working on the Mandalorian's armor throughout the show. I'd be really interested to see uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau put some emphasis on some characters that maybe are considered, you know, irrelevant or background, you know, maybe some different species that didn't have a spotlight so much in canon. I mean, that's one of the things that I love most about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is that when you go to Doc Ondar's uh, Den of Antiquities, the store where you can buy the legacy lightsabers and, you know, the Japur snippets and the the busts of different uh, legendary Jedi and Sith Lords. That store is run by Doc and Doc is uh, an Athorian, which are next to Ewoks for my favorite species uh, in Star Wars. And, you know, we used to have uh, Roran, Roran Korab. I think I'm saying his name right. Roran Korab uh, from the 2D Clone Wars animated shorts uh, from years and years ago. But since, you know, they, you know, brought things into canon and left most of the things out of canon and into the Legends continuity, uh, Roran Karab uh, was not included in future adventures, to my knowledge. And so we have not had a really major Ithorian character yet. But I, I was excited to see that. So who knows what classic uh, Star Wars species will be getting spotlights down the road? That's an interesting question, actually, that I would love to get all of your thoughts on. If you could look at that, you know, that classic cantina scene or even any scene throughout the original trilogy, which of those alien species have you always thought, man, like that could be a main character or they could do something really creative with them. Or I'm sure they have an entire back, uh, backstory on Wikipedia or something, but I would like to see them incorporated in this way or teaming up with this character. So that kind of stuff's exciting. And I went on that entire tangent because of a Star Wars Black Series figure. And that is the beauty, my friends of Star Wars and of merchandising because you hear that cynical take sometimes, you know, people say, Oh, why did they only slightly alter Ray's outfit? You know, they made it more of a white color or a cream and then they added a hood, but it's kind of the same thing. And it's like, well, there might be filmmaking reasons for that, but you got to keep in mind, 
they do want to sell toys and they do want to create different variations of these characters. So you have to expect that after a while that they might change their outfit up a little bit or that they might introduce a variant of something that you already knew, like a Jawa. I don't think it's something to really complain about. I mean, it, it sort of keeps things fresh. If everything looked the same the entire time, I mean, it would be kind of boring. There are only some characters that can really get away with that and that they've really stuck to doing that with. You know, Obi-Wan, for most of his run, has pretty much the same outfit on. It just kind of gets longer and more uh, wizardy, wizard-esque. So, yeah, let's keep that in mind. You know, you always hear that. Oh, why, why is Poe Dameron probably going to have a new uh, ship in Rise of Skywalker because we saw Black One get destroyed in Last Jedi. Oh, because so they can sell more toys. Yeah, of course. Of course they want to sell more toys. But I'm not going to fault them on it, and it doesn't mean that we can't look for the story implications that might be uh, inter inter intertwined with those new toys. So let's keep that in mind as we head into Triple Force Friday and all the things coming up in relation to these big merch drops. So moving on, uh, Entertainment Weekly did a big story, a big cover story on The Mandalorian, and there was some cool information in there. Uh, first of all, I really liked the simplicity of the Entertainment Weekly cover. I liked how it was just a shot of the helmet. The helmet seems like it'll be the constant throughout his journey because we know the, the armor is going to be upgraded over time. We've seen it looking a little more polished, a little more you know chromed out later on, uh, which I think is pretty cool that we might see him rise to the occasion uh both in terms of story but also visuals because you know star wars is such a visual thing uh you know it's no coincidence that anakin's darkest outfit uh in his time as a jedi knight was right before he fell to the dark side so it's those kinds of things and i wonder if the fact that the helmet looks so much better than the rest of his armor when he starts will be a story point i wonder about that i wonder if maybe it's connected to a family of some kind to a clan you know, Mandalorian culture, if, if it holds some sort of importance, I think it would be really cool to have that be some sort of mega reveal that that was, you know, from Clan Vizsla, you know, forever ago or something and 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 tie it in with what we know about the Darksaber or, or maybe even Bo-Katan. That stuff could be really cool. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, but when you actually look at the pictures, you know, they've been getting some criticism, which I guess is fair criticism about the uh, actual set photos and about the different stills that they chose to include. Entertainment Weekly does not have the best reputation when it comes to including photos from movies and television. A lot of times they look unfinished and they look a little bit uh, sloppy and maybe the costumes aren't represented in the best way. Uh, this happens a lot with like, you know Marvel Studios covers on Entertainment Weekly. But in the end, you know, it's it's that finished product. You know, you go back to that trailer that they finally showed us at D23, and the show looks gorgeous, so I'm not worried. If anything, you know, those pictures, while they're not that great, you know, especially the one where the Mandalorian is fighting two uh, Trandoshans uh, that are not Bosk, that photo, it looks really rough, but you got to look at that and imagine, okay, well, you know, I've seen the trailer. So I know what they're capable of. I know the vibe they're looking for, and I know what this potentially could be. So, you know, it's that kind of thing that, you know, I'm choosing to hold on to. That Trandoshan fight, you know, for example, um, could end up being really cool, especially seeing him use the long uh, rifle that he has, you know, that was originally from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Seeing him use that as a melee weapon is really intriguing to me. I'd love to see him use it as a melee weapon, 
and a ranged weapon, sometimes even in the same fight, show how uh, versatile it is and how good of a warrior uh, the Mandalorian actually is. So lots to unpack there. There was some cool quotes. You know, Favreau sort of reiterating the same point that he's made a few times. But, you know, it, I liked uh, Dave Filoni's take on it, uh, as I often do like Dave Filoni's takes on things, uh, where he described making the Mandalorian as, you know, being a child of the 70s and 80s, and your siblings got all the really good Star Wars toys, you know, your Lukes and your Leias, Han and Chewie Vader, Lando and all them. And what did you get? You got Boba Fett. But if you had Boba Fett, it did mean that you could always tell an interesting story. So I thought that that was really cool. Uh, and that about uh, wraps it up for the news portion. You know, it's just being excited for the Mandalorian, being excited for toys, you know, you know, different areas of fandom. You know, some people are going to be really excited about different shirts coming up. Uh, there's, you know, other things, other aspects of Mandalorian that we didn't even get to really talk about, you know, with, uh, you know, Ludwig Gorenson working on the score. And we got to see how Dave Filoni did a, a sketch uh, on uh, one of the music sheets there. So all of that is really cool. And I, I'm really excited for everything that's going to be coming up. It just feels like this period right now, you know, the waiting is getting longer and longer uh, and the expectations are getting not necessarily bigger and bigger, but the expectations are getting a little bit more in depth, maybe, uh, perhaps a little bit more complex, a little bit more specific. But we're going to be talking about expectations in, uh, in just a little bit here as we move into our conversation about uh, Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. So this is it. This is what I am calling the Ben Demption reflection, where I'm going to dive into my thoughts about Kylo Ren about whether or not he can come back, about the complicated implications of the character and his journey, uh, about you know this new comic book, uh, Star Wars Age of Resistance, Supreme Leader Snoke, number one, written by Tom Taylor with art by Leonard Kirk. This book has thrown uh, new layers into the story of Kylo Ren in the best way uh, with an adventure that sees Snoke and Kylo going to Dagobah. So, Let's start appropriately at the beginning, uh, a long time ago, in a galaxy known as, well, Florida in 2015. So, Force Awakens is about to come out. I had thankfully stayed unspoiled on everything uh, in the movie, I believe. I mean, I had read some stuff that did not come to pass. Uh, I read, you know, a rumor that, you know, Rey was going to be Kira Solo, and I think a lot of us had seen that one, that she was going to be the daughter of Han and Leia, and it would be revealed later in the movie. And as we all know, that never happened. And the name Kira ended up falling to Amelia Clark's character in uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, a character who I uh, very much enjoyed. So we had Rey, we had Kylo and Poe and Finn and all these new uh, characters and places that we were going to be introduced to. But we didn't really know a lot about Kylo Ren. We knew, you know, the phrase Knights of Ren. We had seen the saber. There had been all the controversy about the lightsaber. Oh, a cross guard. Is it too much? How does it even work? And I never really understood why that was a conversation. I immediately was in love with the visual of the cross guard. I thought it was really cool. Uh, but I guess some people were spoiled going in that Kylo Ren was the son of Han and Leia. Uh, I never heard that. I mean, I definitely thought of it. You know, you assume, especially if you were familiar with legends, that, you know, somebody out of the, the trio of characters was going to have a child, and perhaps that child would be the villain. I knew that Adam Driver was playing him and Vanity Fair had shown a unmasked photo of him, I believe with two snow, snow troopers or flame troopers. 
So it was definitely confirmed he's in the suit. There was a lot of, you know, is Kylo Ren really Luke? Um, and and really funny in retrospect, honestly, but uh, even in the moment, never bought into that. I was just excited to see what this character had to offer. So sitting down in the theater, you know, you get Snoke formally revealing that Han Solo is Kylo Ren's father. And then, you know, you had the scene earlier right on the opening sequence with Laura Santeca saying, you know, you can't escape uh, the truth that is your family. You know, I'm paraphrasing there, but something like that. Something that is your family, the truth that is your family, the light that is your family. You know, he tells him the first order rose from the darkness, but you did not. And so you immediately, even before you get the formal reveal of, is this Luke's kid? Is this Han and, and Leia's kid? You immediately know, oh, this is not a, a new threat necessarily to these characters. Maybe new to us on screen, but, you know, appropriately in Star Wars fashion, they threw us right into the action right into the middle of the new mythology, he had already been turned, kinda. And that's the thing about Kylo Ren. Uh, I was really kind of angry at a lot of the fandom after that movie came out because I felt immediately that Kylo Ren had been horribly misread or misinterpreted and that people were projecting uh, in negative ways you know, machismo and, you know, and just sort of uh, toxic um, expectations onto the character and what he should be as a Star Wars villain, which was interesting to me. Was it because he was the only, you know, red saber wielding, you know, dark side of the force user that we had in that film? I mean, we had Snoke for a couple shots, you know, the projection of Snoke, but did they expect him to be vader again do they expect him to you know have the uh, cool factor of, of maul or you know just the regal intimidation of a, of a count dooku it was it was weird to me you know how many people oh he's emo you know kylo ren sucks he's such a, a cry baby like you know he, he's, he's a terrible villain all of that stuff just it really showed a lot to me about you know what the fandom what state it was in you know how bad expectations could be and expectations will come up a lot uh, in this episode, you know, it already has a couple times. And I, I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Anthony at uh, Rural Farm Boy on on Twitter, who, you know, is is an incredible voice uh, for the support in the Star Wars podcasting community, who checks out so many of our shows and is such an awesome guy. Uh, I'd been meaning to get to this uh, email and include it in an episode for a long time. But essentially, you know, he sent me an email talking about speculation and expectations of what we carry into the theater. And I think that Kylo Ren is kind of the perfect character to address that with where I went in, you know, expecting the mystery of the man behind the mask. But I feel like a lot of people went in wanting, you know, a badass. And he definitely has badass moments, but I don't feel like that was fair. And I think that what is fair and what's not fair in terms of our expectations of these installments as movies, as well as part of the overall, you know, myth and the overall story and lore are kind of two different things. Sometimes one gets in the way of the other where you want to be thrilled and you want to be excited, but you got to keep in mind that it's a three-part story and that you're seeing a character at a pivotal point in their lives. I mean, you're seeing that with all of the characters, you know, one of the core components of any narrative are those those opportunities for change. And we'll get into Kylo's uh, 
two major opportunities for change here as well. So, I, But I was a big fan of the character. I mean, I think that Adam Driver did a phenomenal job with his performance in The Force Awakens. It's no easy task to establish a new villain in anything, really, in any major franchise, but especially in Star Wars. I mean, we had already done it a couple times, you know, to varying degrees of success. You get your characters like Darth Maul, what are immediately intriguing, but then you also get your characters like General Grievous, who frankly might be in my bottom five Star Wars characters out of the entire canon. So it, it just depends on, on uh, you know, how you approach it. But the brilliant thing, you know, the thing that I want to emphasize about Adam Driver and Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens that I really love is that it's a three-layered performance. So I've always thought this, and, and, I, and I think it's a really good way to watch the movie. Kylo Ren is the top layer of the character. It's, he's masked with the hood up, intimidating, ruthless, how he kills Lor Santeca right off the bat, tortures Poe Dameron. He's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the theatricality of it all, how he's trying so hard to uh, embrace and, 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 you know, and give off the vibe of the ancient Sith Lords and, and classically dark side characters that we've seen. He's sort of a combination of, you know, almost a Vader and Dooku and Palpatine in terms of, you know, he's got the, the older sword with, you know, more of an older uh, dueling style. But then you've also got, you know, of course, the mask, the voice, but, you know, the hood up and, you know, the the burnt, you know, cloak and everything. He, he's, he's a really interesting and just immediately iconic villainous character. But when he's forced to remove the mask, or actually not even forced. I mean, he kind of does it willingly for Ray, uh, which will get again the the Kylo Ray relationship is is so key to all of this, and we'll we'll dive into that as well. When he removes that mask, you get to the second layer of the character, which is, you know, sort of that middle point between Ben Solo and Kylo Ren, and I think Adam Driver does a great job with all that. Where here he's trying way harder because he doesn't have the mask, uh, and he you know he's he's trying to get in Ray's head and win the psychological warfare. You know, telling her, I can take whatever I want from your mind. You know, trying to assert his power. Uh, but so clearly uncomfortable. When Huck sees him unmasked, you know, when they're speaking to Supreme Leader Snoke, he so clearly did not want to be seen at that exact moment. So that's really uh, an interesting layer that I think that Driver nailed for sure. The insecurity uh, of a young man. You know, Kylo Ren, at the time of Force Awakens, is 29 years old. So he still has that... You know, that youth uh, and that that fear of being exposed that I think makes him instantly relatable in a lot of ways, even to heroes like Luke Skywalker. I mean, there are a lot of parallels between Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker, parallels that the character of Kylo within the lore is probably very well aware of. And it's part of why he's probably so afraid of Luke. And it, and it, it is probably why Luke felt so much guilt is because he knows that he was that cl- he was that close this close, just a hair away from being his nephew when he was in his 20s, when he was a young man. So that layer is full of different implications, and that Kylo Ren is a very interesting, uh, you know, take that Driver was able to deliver. You know, his, his, his hat trick of performances in, in Force Awakens, I think that one has uh, the most um, meat so far, and it is kind of the one that Ryan Johnson 
chooses to run with in Last Jedi, keeping him unmasked for most of the film, seeing how he balances being Kylo Ren with also trying to make a human connection, which is something that, you know, you can imagine he hasn't had in a few years. I believe it's been six years at this point that he's officially been Kylo Ren and left his Jedi life behind. But then you get to that last lair, to that Jedi lair, to the Skywalker solo lair of Ben. And Ben only comes out in The Force Awakens for one moment. Maybe two. But one one scene. And that's where, of course, where Han, you know, confronts him on the bridge in Starkiller Base in what I think is one of the most beautiful moments in uh, the entire Star Wars saga and probably any film I've ever seen. It's some of the best work of Harrison Ford's career. Uh, and it is one of the best performances that Adam Driver has delivered from what I've seen of his work up until this point. And I remember being in the theater and already feeling what was going to happen, already feeling uh, preemptive pain for the loss of Han, you know, an old friend and a hero and, and a character that I had always felt emotional investment in, but also feeling a lot of emotional investment and pain for Kylo Ren. I mean, it was interesting You'd only known that character for a couple hours, but you already got so much out of that performance because when the dark shell finally cracks a little bit and you see Ben, you know, saying things like, you know, I want to be free of this pain and and thanking his father after he impales him on the lightsaber, it's, it's, it's disheartening and, you know, it's kind of horrifying in a lot of ways. You know, you are immediately have a thousand questions, you know, in a very J.J. Abrams way, a thousand questions about what did I just see? How did it get to this point? Han couldn't have been that bad of a father, right? And truth be told, I don't think that he was. You know, Kylo Ren does tell Rey he would have disappointed you. But in Last Jedi, he says, I didn't hate my father. And that is a connection, you know, a a big theme in this podcast for me personally. Because again, this is a lot, you know, me working out my feelings on the character. A character who I love but a character who I fear I may have misread. Uh, a lot of this is me working uh, out these different connections. And, you know, you you see him murder Han Solo. And immediately, because Han was a character we loved, we put the weight of the world on that moment. And we said, well, this guy's done. He's done. He killed Han Solo. They're still joking about it. They were joking about it at the Tony Awards because Adam Driver was up with a nomination. Cast of Beetlejuice called him out. You killed Han Solo. Everybody laughs. You know, it's it's a, a moment from the sequel trilogy that, you know, I think even worked for some sequel haters. You know, it's such a well-done scene. But I feel like we unfairly assumed that the arc was over, which was so foolish. And I was willing to see where he went, of course, in a second film. You know, we got The Last Jedi a couple of years later. But I did think, you know... In my discussions post-Force Awakens, I remember saying to people a lot, this is the reverse hero's journey. It's the villain's journey. And I genuinely believed that. I thought that, you know, Adam Driver was playing the inverse of what Mark Hamill was playing in the original trilogy on purpose. I thought that we were witnessing the descent, you know, witnessing the thing that, you know, I was only a toddler, but the things that a lot of uh, original trilogy fans thought that the prequel trilogy was going to be. People thought that we were going to see this three film uh, tragedy 
that would explain how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. And I thought that J.J., you know, being an original trilogy kid, I thought he knew that. And that's what he was planning to do with the sequels. But then, you know, honestly, maybe it was. Maybe it was because we know that the plan has changed a little bit. According to J.J., not changed enough that he has to uh, uh, fix anything, that anything's been derailed uh, by Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi, but changed enough. You know, we know that they, you know, talked and that Ryan requested a couple things from the ending of Force Awakens as he was already working on his screenplay. So who knows what the overall arc for Kylo would have been if J.J. had complete control over all three. But we don't live in that reality. We live in this one. And then we move over into The Last Jedi. So we've already passed one opportunity for Kylo Ren to change, and he and he chose the villainous act. And again, my misread was that the villainous act was just that, an act of villainy. But I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, the dark side and what it actually means for somebody's uh, free will, what it means for somebody's uh, ability to make decisions. Are people corrupted to the point where they are not in their right minds? Are they responsible for that? Do they become tools of the dark side? It's it's a lot. I mean, Clone Wars and Rebels get into this as well. You know, how much of a consistent human being are you when the dark side, you know, creeps in? It's interesting. We've seen it with Luke more than once. And Luke, even as a Jedi Master, we've seen it with him. So it, it's difficult to know where Kylo Ren's mind was at in the moment where he killed Han Solo. But one thing is clear, uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to. He's not saying thank you in the way that I think a lot of us read it. You know, thank you uh, for presenting yourself, you know, and making it easy for me to do this thing because I want to climb the ladder of darkness. I want to fulfill, uh, you know, the legacy of Vader. You know, I will finish what you started from the Force Awakens trailer, which I always thought was a great line. Uh, but again, a line misread. It, it, I honestly feel like Yoda in, in, in the prequels where, you know, a prophecy that may have been misread. So it, it's interesting. I've actually, just now in my head, made another connection between Luke and Kylo Ren. I think a lot of people misread uh, Luke, Luke's uh, quote-unquote attempt to kill his nephew uh, in the flashbacks from Last Jedi. I don't think it's ever that he wanted to kill Ben, but that he thought for a moment, in a moment of shame and darkness, he thought he might have to. And that that's the key. Feeling that you have to. That's the key to the Ben Solo character, especially in Force Awakens, especially in that you know pivotal scene with Han. He felt that he had to kill Han. It's not that he was on a quest of villainy, a quest to commit. It's that he felt that he was being forced and that he could finally just have that moment be over. And and when he says thank you to Han, it's not thank you. Now I've, you know, I, I've added this, this badge, you know, to my sash of evil, I guess, boy scoutness. <laughs> it's, it's thank you for things unseen. Thank you for trying. You know, Kylo was probably holding on to that for days and, and weeks and months and who knows how long after is the rise of Skywalker in the timeline. But it was probably thank you for showing me 
the life that I miss. You know, it's really it's heartbreaking, you know, especially now that we have some, even, even more background on his relationship with Snoke, uh, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Uh, but then, you know, you move into Last Jedi. And Ryan Johnson, I feel like, got it right. You know, he really understood the uh, the essence of this character and what this character was going through. Uh, so now, you know, you've got Kylo Ren, scarred, defeated, and, and, and you know, Supreme Leader Snoke just lays in you know those those abusive claws into into Ben into Ben. You know I I genuinely feel that it's Ben Solo that kneels before him and says, "I I gave you everything. I've given everything I have to the dark side." And Snoke says, "But the deed split your spirit. You killing your father. You didn't commit. It wasn't it wasn't the, you know passing a trial. It split you." to the bone and then you allowed Ray to best you a girl who had never held a lightsaber amazing performance by Andy Serkis by the way I mean I get chills watching the Snoke performance it's so good it's it's so over the top in the best way uh, a great voice just great visuals um, adding to the horror of that character but you know again he says it you know it, it split you to the bone and I thought that you know it was that that pull to the light um, that Kylo talks about that, you know, maybe in that moment, what was supposed to be an achievement, you know, he felt pain through the force, through his familial connections and that those, you know, those things were possibly going to set him up to be redeemed in that film that he didn't have what it, it took inside to commit to the dark side of the force. But again, I, 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 looking back now with context and with this, this comic that we're going to be talking about when Snoke says it's split you to the bone and, you know, we think of that, um, that, that, that monologue, you know, tell me grandfather again, I feel it, that pull to the light. It's not a pull to the light. That's Kylo trying to convince himself that he's being pulled to the light. Really Kylo Ren exists in the light and he's desperately trying to stay in the shadows and, and, and find his way into the darkness because he feels like he has to, because he feels alone, because he's a victim of abuse, uh, of mental abuse and physical abuse of, from Supreme Leader Snoke. And, and it's just a hard situation. There's so much to unpack there, real life uh, implications to unpack there that you know we've seen on social media lately, especially in the wake of this comic by Tom Taylor. Uh, a lot of people uh, pointing out the different connections to uh, real life stories of abuse and abuse survivors uh, in the character of Kylo Ren. And now I'm looking at him in just this completely different way. I'm looking at Ben Demption in a completely different way because I had been reading the character. And again, I loved the character and I, and I still love the character, but I had been reading it as well in the throne room. He had his second uh, opportunity for change and he had his second opportunity uh, to shed the weight of the dark side and to become Ben Solo again. And while I do think that that is still a valid read of what's going on here, um, it is no longer the read that I personally subscribe to. And I think that that's why I wanted to take a second to do a less structured and, and more just me uh, sitting here with a microphone talking to you about this character. Because I, it really is just about how I now subscribe to different 
feelings overall going into the rise of Skywalker. You know, we're less than a hundred days away from the movie and I am going in with a much better attitude, I think a much freer attitude, but you know, uh, we're not even done here. So let's head back to that throne room scene, that second opportunity for change. When Kylo Ren killed Snoke, I fist pumped in the theater. I thought that it was one of the best moments uh, of the sequel trilogy, and I could not believe my eyes. I remember just the feeling of just elation when I saw Rey and Kylo go back to back, prepared to take on all the Praetorian Guard. I thought it was such a cool moment. Uh, I loved the scene. I don't care about the flaws in the choreography. I don't care. We could spend, we could do a whole podcast just on the quote filmmaking mistakes of the entire Star Wars saga from George Lucas all the way through to J.J. Abrams going into nine. We could dissect it for days, and there's no point. There honestly is no point except then to try to seem smarter than other people, Uh, and I'm not down with it. Uh, But I loved the scene. I loved the emotions of the scene, and I loved the themes, but I will tell you, as it was wrapping up, especially when Ray threw the saber across the room, which was great, and yelled, Ben, and Kylo caught it, took out that last guard, I thought to myself, man, they really turned him, huh? They really made him good again. I worried that it was going to be, you know, what a lot of people have said. Oh, turning Kylo Ren good would just be Vader round two. We've already been there, done that. It's just going to be just like, like Vader. And I've realized that that's off base. That just because you're doing the redemption story doesn't mean that it has to echo Vader. I mean, of course, it's J.J. Abrams. Of course, it's the third act of a trilogy. So, of course, you're going to hear that. Not even criticism. You'll just hear it pointed out. A mirror. An echo. A parallel. But that's fine. Because the story in and of itself is different. Because of the level of commitment and because of the headspace of the two characters. And that's what I was missing. I was against Ben Demption you know, partially because of my love of Han, which I guess is fair. I mean, I've, I have made this argument and I hear other people make it too, where it's like, yeah, we know Vader did horrible things, but seeing those deeds carried out on screen, you know, we, we saw Vader, you know, sacking the temple and we we saw, you know, the, the kids obviously being terrified, but we didn't see that happen. We only saw him take out those villains at the end. Uh, the you know the trade federation guys and the different uh, confederacy leaders, and then we saw him fight Obi Wan, and then you know the prequel trilogy was over. But we saw him kill Han Solo. Han Solo was our guy. Yeah, but where was the character thematically and spiritually when that happened? Versus you know any time that Vader could have come back to the light. Very different arcs, very different journeys. And so we flash back again to me in the theater watching the end of the Praetorian Guard throne room fight. I was like, oh, are they about to turn him? Oh, they're about to turn him. Then who's the villain going to be? What are they going to do going forward? Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And then we get what is probably the best uh, one-on-one acting scene in the entire Star Wars saga, Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley just destroying it, just knocking it so far out of the park 
so much emotion and devastation on both of their faces, so much fear, but fear of different things. Kylo Ren immediately fearful of what is about to happen, fearful of the fact that he just, you know, immensely changed his entire life with one decision. And it's, it's hard because you're not sure exactly. Um, he's not sure exactly rather if killing his abuser, killing this dark master and Snoke, uh, was a good decision because he still doesn't know if he's going to have an ally when the dust clears. And then for Ray, it's difficult because she really does believe that he's been solo again. But then she realizes, no, he's worse now. And I remember having that realization in the theater and saying, oh God, he's worse now and loving it. Because again, I was committed in my mind to this idea of the, of the villain's journey. And I was like, genius, brilliant. He's going to double down now. And the episode nine Kylo Ren is going to be the baddest of the big bads. Darker than we've ever seen anybody go in the Star Wars saga. And guys, I think I'm wrong. I think that Reed is wrong. There are things that I've noticed over the past couple of years since Last Jedi came out. Things that have made me reevaluate the entire situation. You know, first of all, as I've pointed out to, to people, and you know, it's one of my favorite little details, and I'm not sure how much of it is intentional, uh, but you have uh, Snoke earlier on in the film refer to Kylo Ren as young Solo. And you know he's just doing it just just to mess with him, just just to get at his soul, to attack him with guilt and, and mental warfare. And then later on in the film, when uh, Ben, Kylo, uh, kills Supreme Leader Snoke, it is in literally the most Han Solo way possible. If Han Solo could use the Force, that is the kind of stuff that he would do. And it's genius because Ryan Johnson and Adam Driver together give us the moment where you see Kylo Ren make the decision to kill Snoke. He sees his own lightsaber rotate on the ground, you know, because Rey charged with it and Kylo, you know, Kylo, Snoke tossed her out of the air with the force. And so he was, you know, it, it lands in front of him and spins on the ground and Kylo Ren just looks up and it's such good acting from Adam Driver. Uh, it's a, you know, small details, a beautifully done performance. And then he is tricking him projecting one thing with his mind while turning the lightsaber with his hand. And it's like the mystical, you know, dark versus light, heavy fantasy version of Han Solo shooting Greedo under the table. It's completely underhanded. And he is truly in that moment, his father's son. And it's things like that, that I've noticed, you know, over time. I mean, let's go into this comic here. Uh, Star Wars Age of Resistance, uh, Snoke number one by Tom Taylor and Leonard Kirk on art. I mean, you've got Kylo going to the cave on Dagobah. And what does he see but Luke, who, who he's extremely afraid of? I mean, he, he absolutely has to be afraid of him. I think it's more fear than it is rage because he fears uh, the affirmation that he is a monster. And because he fears the, which is a belief that he holds. I mean, as he says in Last Jedi, when Rey calls him a monster, he 
he owns up. He embraces that affirmation to a fault, you know, like a drug, because he had already been, you know, slowly corrupted by Snoke. And it was Luke thinking that he could stop him that caused that, you know, that, that classic, the, the Skywalker men and the self-fulfilling prophecies, you know, that, that tragic trope, that, you know, that feeling of I am this thing. And then, oh, look, someone thought I am this thing. So it is true, you know? He fears that. And Snoke knows he fears that. And he uses that against him. You know, he, he backhands him and he physically abuses him and he uses the force on him and he he taunts him. But then all those things just culminate with having to see a vision of Luke in the Dagobah cave. You know, Kylo Ren's going through it. He's really going through it. And, I, and obviously I knew he was, but... I think that with all of these elements in place, it's setting it up in a way that tells us a huge truth, something that his parents knew, and that's Ben Solo did not become Kylo Ren. Ben Solo became trapped in Kylo Ren. I think in the same way that a lot, you know, you could read the Anakin and Vader storyline in a way that presents the two characters as separate. I think that it's a meteor read of the sequel trilogy story to do the same with Kylo. It is wrong of us, I think, to say, oh, the redemptions would just be the same because Vader was committed and Vader came back for his son not to be Anakin Skywalker again. He did not say, I can go back to what I was. He knew it was too late for him and he didn't even want Luke to try to save him. I think that Ben Solo exists fully formed crying out within Kylo Ren, which, you know, ties back into the three layered performance from the force awakens. That's what I've realized. It's not, you know, corruption, 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 and he's gone and he had his two chances. It's, you know, you punch the glass once cracks Punch it again. Cracks are even bigger. It's so close to shattering. I think this will be when Ben Solo finally breaks through. And I think he might live. I th- I, I'm open to that idea now in a way that I wasn't before. And again, it's such a strange experience for me because I love this character. And I still love this character as a piece of writing and as a piece of uh, performance from Adam Driver. And, and the aesthetics, you know, from costume designers like Michael Kaplan and just, you know, JJ setting it up in such a big, bad way. But now I, I'm loving him in a completely different way. And I, for a while, I thought that the Ben Demption stuff, you know, I thought, oh, well, nah, I mean, they, they keep making the point that he's, that he's evil, guys. They, they've made this point now twice in a row, but I think I misread the point. You know, it's an, it's an extension of theme. You know, which is actually exactly what Harrison Ford said at the uh, Comic-Con promoting Force Awakens. The fan asks about themes. How will this, you know, present new themes or or continuations? And and Harrison said, well, I think it's more an extension of theme. You know, we're going to be diving further into these things. And I think that Kylo Ren, with, you know, this information and with the stuff that I'm, you know, working out in my head and working out here straight into the mic for you guys, a lot of that is... The extension, the next natural place to go after a story like the story of Anakin Skywalker. You know, with Ben Solo, it's 
not a villain's journey so much as it is how close can you brush with the dark side uh you know before you really have destroyed yourself altogether he goes further than luke ever went you know luke would always feel the dark and and shake it off you know at two pivotal moments in his life but what happens when you feel like the dark side is all you have when you feel rejected you know there's obviously a lot of real life implications for a character like kylo ren you know people bullied and and people that that lash out in terrible ways uh for various uh, reasons all of which are heavy and and big and a lot to tackle uh, but you know through this lens of fantasy through this lens of space opera uh ben solo you know is the ultimate representation of duality i think you know when you look at the original trilogy it's the story of luke and and the redemption of vader when you look at you know the prequels and the originals as a six part saga it becomes the tragedy of anakin skywalker you know with a last minute save by his son when you look at it now as a nine part saga i think they're trying to say you know this family particularly the men in this family because the women in this family are unwavering which i think is extremely interesting and um powerful and kind of beautiful actually um the men in this family and their relationship with darkness is not a thing that can be so easily defined I think that, you know, I go back to Adam Driver describing the character early on and saying things like, well, it's not really light versus dark so much as it is about who thinks they're right. Those shades of gray. You hear, oh, well, Ray will be a gray Jedi. Ray will be a gray Jedi. I think that, first of all, that's not a term that they're going to throw around in the films. I don't think at all. I don't, I don't just don't see it happening. But I think that Kylo Ren is more, you know, the 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 um greatest example of gray in the franchise and i think that ben solo when it's all over will have a story that will be about shaking off you know that corruption and and the influence of the dark side you know when you go into the further into the dagobah cave past luke he sees his parents and they say they call him ben then he says, that's not my name. And they're like, yeah, it is. It is your name. And he, he can't bring himself to strike them down then. He can't bring himself to kill Leia and the last Jedi. Ben was always there. He just happened to have no support system from his point of view. And again, you say that phrase point of view in a Star Wars podcast. And I feel like we can go another hour on top of what we've already done. You know, Kylo Ren is is in essence a lot of ways trapped you know as a victim of circumstance and i think that those are the things that i've gathered uh just overall from his arc uh i'm going to read a couple tweets here a few tweets um from a great twitter follow uh that i recently found on that website uh often you know a horrible place to be but sometimes you find some really cool people uh, at uh, underscore Celine Jade. Celine um, has a great read of the uh, Ben Solo story that I will read to you here. Uh, she was cool enough to allow me to use these here on the podcast. Uh, I wanted to give her a shout out uh, for being a really cool follow. So 
Uh, Ben's uh, sequel trilogy story is literally Anakin's prequel trilogy story backwards. So she starts like this. He starts off with the suit and mask. He kills the person he loves most. He struggles with the dark side. He gets his face scarred. He meets a girl who makes him rethink everything. Then he will be trained or retrained as a Jedi. Selene continues. As a footnote, his actions in The Last Jedi are the reverse of Vader in the original trilogy. He brings Rey to Snoke, then saves her and kills Snoke, Return of the Jedi. Then he makes a grandiose speech where he asks her to join him and tells her who her parents are. Empire Strikes Back. So if it's going in reverse, the next movie will be Ben mirroring child Anakin, shout out to Jake Lloyd, from The Phantom Menace. What if once he's redeemed, he's exiled and goes to unexplored parts of the galaxy, being an actual, quote, Skywalker, fulfilling Anakin's wish of being the first one to see them all? Which I always thought was a really great line. Uh, the Jake Lloyd version of Anakin doesn't have tons of lines that are considered, you know, quote unquote, great. Uh, but I always thought that that was uh, a pure moment of ambition that tied in well with Obi-Wan saying, you know, he was the greatest star pilot I ever knew. That to me, uh, that read gave me chills, uh, you know, and that's why I had to reach out and ask permission to read those those tweets here and share those insights because I definitely think that that's, uh, it could be onto something with that, you know, it could be onto something there. Kylo Ren going into exile at the end of this, leaving it open for that family to continue in some way. I think that could be really powerful. Him leaving, him leaving it all behind would be, you know, the positive reflection of what he thought he was saying or of what he did say, but what the, he meant in The Last Jedi when he says, uh, you know, let the past die, kill it if you have to. A lot of people misread that and thought that that's what Ryan Johnson meant, but he put it in the, in the mouth of the tortured villainous character. So I, I, I've always thought, you know, come on guys, like the, they're clearly saying, not to kill the past, but if Ben Solo comes back to the light, or at least comes, you know, further into the light's range, into the light's embrace, then kill the past could have this almost freeing uh, undertone if he can kill Kylo Ren. I think that in a lot of ways, the Kylo Ren arc, you know, is not a descent into darkness so much. And the thing I've been going back to that I wanted to save, you know, as we get here toward the end is in Revenge of the Sith, uh, I think that one of the best moments, if not the best moment of directing in George Lucas's career uh, is in Revenge of the Sith, where you have Anakin and Padme both looking out, out the windows, out of their windows on Coruscant as Anakin, you know, takes that swan dive into darkness for what he feels uh, is is a is a cause worthy of such action. He sheds a tear. Padme begins to cry. Then Anakin, you know, his his emotions get more and more intense before he storms off. And we all know where it goes from there. I feel like the story of Kylo Ren is that scene from Revenge of the Sith stretched out across an entire character arc. And I feel like whereas Vader was able to become Anakin again for one pivotal moment, Kylo Ren might have the more successful and dare I say hopeful, since hope is in a lot of ways the core element of this saga, he might have the more hopeful ending 
out of the two Dark Side Skywalker men because he will actually vanquish Kylo Ren. Whereas Vader died sort of in an in-between. And he, yes, he did get to touch the light side of the Force again and come back as a ghost. That is true. Hopefully we'll get more on that in canon later on because I think it is uh, one of the most eternally interesting things that uh, George did. You know, ignoring, you know, the controversy over the Hayden Christensen replacing Sebastian Shaw. Uh, just the fact that Vader was able to do that at all was interesting, especially with the added context of other trilogies and canon. But, you know, he it still was kind of an in-between. He has gets to have one conversation afterward. Can Ben Solo actually vanquish this tortured uh, specter, this mask, you know? I think they're setting it up for that. You know, I talk about, I talked about, you know, shattering the glass, one punch, two punch. Well, now look at the helmet in Rise of Skywalker. We know it's coming back, reforged, yes, but with the cracks brighter and more apparent than ever before. I think that they're going to do Ben Demption in this film. And while that may be obvious to some people, it's not really my point. I'm not saying, oh, this is a prediction. This whole podcast is a prediction. It's not about that. What I'm saying is that if they do it, I think that I have learned enough and, and reanalyzed the story in a way that has uh, made me okay with it and made me excited for it. You know, I've, I've, th- I've thought of a thousand different ways that the Rise of Skywalker could end that would finish Kylo Ren for the, you know, the supreme leader, big bad that he is, but also make that title make sense, also provide some hope, also potentially leave it open to revisit this main story thread 10, 15, 20 years down the road. But Kylo Ren was always that piece that I could never make sense, that I could never reconcile in my mind. And I think that at the end of the day, Rise of Skywalker will be the most dual protagonist of all the films. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in like in a Raylo way, because I think that, you know, supporting Raylo and wanting Raylo and, and Ben, Ben Demption are sort of separate things. Do I think that Ray at this point uh, would be as open to a potential romance with Ben Solo as Ben Solo, I think definitely would be with her. No, uh, not after the end of last Jedi. But I definitely do think there could be um, mutual respect there, uh, building something new. Perhaps she allows Ben to leave and start a new life, or she facilitates that in some way uh, with resources or with support um, via Leia or something. I think that, you know, it is, it is aside from the obvious like real-life heartbreak of not having Carrie Fisher around, uh, from a creative standpoint, it, it's devastating that we will not be able to have Carrie Fisher and Adam Driver have one, you know, just full-on Shakespearean, just just beautifully done scene in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I think that is uh, unfortunate and definitely would have served the story, especially as I've come around on the idea of Ben Demption uh, and seeing Kylo Ren fully return to the light. Could movie magic make it happen in some way? Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. I mean, you hear rumors. You hear rumors out there about uh, things we might see. You see things on the internet that you don't want to see sometimes. I'm not going to talk about that on this show. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely interesting. You know, I know a lot of people wanted to go full on into the realm of romance, and that is awesome for you. That's definitely awesome. For me, I, I just don't see it. 
Uh, it's not something that I uh, think will happen, but again, that's a, a separate conversation for another time. Uh, but overall, uh, it's it's so weird. It's so strange. I mean, like, I remember telling people that I was going to do this episode and just have a conversation with myself, and I, I can't believe how much my feelings on this have changed. I can't believe uh, how open to it I feel now. Uh, Tom Taylor and Leonard Kirk did wonders uh, with the Snoke issue of Star Wars Age of Resistance um, for changing my feelings on it. The Star Wars community on Twitter and on on YouTube and, and, and podcasts, you know, different people with their different reads uh, have done wonders uh, for presenting new uh, layers or, or making thematic connections. Uh, people like Celine uh, with their different reads. Um, and people like, uh, you know, Anthony talking about expectations in the email that he sent uh, here to the show. Um, it had me thinking a lot about my different expectations and about how I think I was doing what I tell people not to do in a lot of ways where I've said this before. We know the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy as the stories they are because we're able to look back on them as complete I've said, you know, oh, if you didn't like Last Jedi that much, just wait for the third film because you don't know how those films and The Force Awakens will coalesce together, how they will inform one another, how they will uh, make moments better or maybe make moments worse, make moments weirder, darker, more interesting, retroactively inspiring. You don't know. And I think that I was deciding that Kylo Ren's story was done before it was actually done. So overall, I mean, that's what I'm getting down uh, that's what that's what I'm you know that's what I'm getting from all of this, you know, jotting down notes here before I did the podcast, all of it coming together. I know this overall was really rambly, uh, but if you stuck with me this entire time, uh, I hope it gave you something to think about. You know, thinking about this story in a different way, thinking about Kylo Ren, his relationship to that mask in a different way. Kylo Ren as a victim, uh, of course, as the villain. Of the first two installments, he absolutely is. But, you know, villains can also be protagonists. You can have more than one protagonist. And I think that he definitely is on a journey, but it can't be as easily defined by hero's journey or villain's journey. I think that Kylo Ren uh, is the most complex character in all of the Star Wars canon. And I think that we are in for a treat. They have so many options. So many potential scenes, and I'm really excited to see how they bring it all together. So, yeah, that's about all I got here. I mean, I, I'm down with Ben Demption now. I'm, I'm, I really am. I've had enough conversations in my own head at work or while doing other episodes of the show or just reading things, being on the internet, you know, taking a walk, just thinking about what are the different implications of the character. And now when I watch uh, episode seven and episode eight again, I'm seeing these moments uh, in completely different ways. And again, you could have listened to this entire podcast and you maybe didn't agree with a single thing I said, but I think that that's part of the beauty. And I think that that's uh, part of what makes Star Wars so interesting and so cool is that we can have conversations like this or I can sit here in studio talking into a mic, staring at the wall the entire time, looking at my notes and do a whole freaking monologue one-man show original oratory uh about the son of han and leia and you know it was actually uh lacy uh lacy gilleran from the resistance broadcast 
that put out a tweet where she said, do you really want that to be, you know, darkness and death? Like, do, is that what you want for the son of Han and Leia? Is that what you think Han would want? And, and that got me thinking too. And I think that that was the final push into me doing uh, this episode. So overall, uh, I think we're in for something pretty special with the rise of Skywalker. I'm interested to hear uh, what you had to say, uh, what you have to say about all of this stuff. Um, about what your thoughts have been since 2015 when we were formally introduced to Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, his relationship with his parents, his relationship with his uncle, his relationship with Rey and Snoke and the entire galaxy. What do you think about this character? How do you feel about this character? How have your thoughts changed? And did anything that I have now put together in my mind uh, resonate with you in a particular way? Or do you entirely disagree? I'm totally into hearing that too. I want to get other perspectives on here, and I cannot wait until this uh, sequel trilogy is over so we can track that arc from beginning to end and find all the threads uh, that enrich this character and enrich the entire saga. So that's going to be it for me today. Uh, again, this was a long one. This was a rambly one. Me, uh, you know, working things out, you know, shifting in my seat here. Uh, uh, making sure that I hit a lot of the things that I wanted to hit. I'm sure there's a thousand different reads and and moments and, and lines that I didn't even include here, but uh, maybe we can revisit this again down the road uh, with a guest. Uh, maybe uh, we can get uh, somebody like a Tom Taylor on here eventually as well to talk about their read on the character. So in the meantime, uh, before I sign off here, as always, I'll let you know where you can interact a little with me with the show you can follow me at AD underscore Strider on Twitter. You can find me at A period D period Strider on Instagram. And you can find Octo Radio at Octo Radio on all your social media platforms. A-H-C-H-T-O, no dash. You don't put a dash in any of these handles. Just Octo Radio on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email at Octo Radio or just Octo Radio at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to be like Anthony and send in some thoughts to the show, it would be very much appreciated. And again, you can listen to this on so many podcast platforms, but if you are listening to it on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave a review, leave a star rating. It goes a long way into supporting the show. Every single time I read anybody's thoughts on those Apple ratings, uh, it, 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 sends, uh, it sends me into the best possible mood. I feel so appreciative to have such amazing listeners uh, checking out my show uh, and interacting with me uh, in the digital space. Uh, it's been a really interesting uh, time sitting here for the past uh, hour uh, doing this episode, <laughs> going an hour. Of course, some of it was news, but uh, just diving into to the, to the ultimate uh, example of um, complexity in Star Wars. It was a really good time. So before we get going, we got to do our, our call to adventure that we use to end every episode. Punch it, Chewie. 